podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are picking back up on parenting today with some key truths that a wise parent would want to learn and remember. But before we do that, we're going to answer some more questions. So we're going to answer three different questions from three different people. I'll read the first one. It's kind of long, but uh, it's actually an easy one to answer. So this one is a person is a grandparent, and she says, I would like biblical ways to support my kids as they seek to raise theirs in the Lord. Example, respecting my son and son-in-law's authority, financial needs, unlearning my past worldly methods of raising kids in a child-centered home, taking my kids seriously and respecting their wishes as to not undo the good work they're doing, and how grandparents can be a blessing to them rather than a burden, how seeing this burden on them could be God's way of dealing with sin in me, and a willingness to repent and serve rather than selfish desires that cause stress on them. Thanks. How would you answer that? Well, you're the, you're the grandparent, so. Well, she answered it. Yeah. <laughs> this one, it was like, well, what you just gave as your example. I mean, that's a grandparent just shouldn't be obnoxious. Uh, uh, the grandparent is not the place where he, I think one of the key ones she said was undo the good work. If your parent, your the parents are doing a good work, especially if they're doing a good work, by golly, support them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they say that a child is not allowed to do certain things, then they're not allowed to do them in your home too when you're watching them. Uh, this is not the time to say, oh, this is grandpa's time, so it's okay, we'll ignore that. Um, and I, I tell you, as a grandpa, that's hard because sometimes you're like, not my kid, and I enjoy do- doing those things too. But you, you have to respect mom and dad. Um, you can also be a positive agent of change, though. If you got a son or a daughter and they're, they're just doing a terrible job, uh, well, then your home as a grandparent should be a respite. It should be a home where stability reigns, where you have clear standards and rules, um, and that when they come in there that they realize, okay, there's rules, but they're fair rules. They're fair standards. Love abounds here. I get praised when I do right. I get corrected when I do wrong. You know, in other words, you, you're literally trying to undo the instability of what mom and dad are unfortunately putting in their kids. But if you have if you have offspring and they now have their children, you should be wanting to support that. So, you know, what did you ask your dad? What, what what are the rules? You should even ask mom and dad before they drop them off. Is there anything I need to know? Any rules that I need to uh, follow? And, and then not roll your eyes or mm-hmm. tell them, well, you're just being legalistic or strict or this or that because you're not living with that child 24-7. And so what may seem to be unfair to you, well, if you were living in their home that last week, you'd realize, actually, that's a really good decision. They said that he gets no dessert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and by golly, give them no dessert. Don't slip them a gummy bear under the table and say, "Don't tell anyone." Right. You know you're, exactly. Yeah, you're you're you're, and 
I love my parents because they're seeking to do this well. Their their whole entire goal was not to undermine or undo anything that we're seeking to do. And so they're constantly asking us, hey, what should, what would you like us to do here? How would you like us to handle this? Oh, that's nice. They're super faithful in reporting to us what the time was like if they spent with them, you know. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I can picture your daughter your, as grandma, what, what, what Nana, right? Yeah, Nana. As Nana then whips out the list. All right. <laughs> yep, yeah. yeah, and they're, they're just trying to, because they understand there's value. They want to see their grandchildren raised well and right and in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. They don't want to be the cause for which that doesn't happen or for which that process is slowed. Um, and so they are seeking to just support us and just not undo yeah. anything that, <laughs> that well, we're trying to do. I've actually had to counsel some moms and dads who've come to me over the years and say, you know, when we take the kids over to the grandparents, they literally second guess, they cut us down, they criticize us, they tell the kids that we're not doing it the right way and on and on. We don't know what to do. And I'm like, stop taking the kids over. Well, you have then, the most powerful tool in your hand. It's called grandchildren, and you it, you maybe have to spend some time training grandma and grandpa that look, you don't get to do that. You don't get to undo what happens in our home. And if they do, they don't go there. That's what I mean. I yeah, mean, it, just, just because well. how many stories have you heard of? Well, they went there for a day, and then it was three weeks of redoing everything. I mean, they literally undid three weeks worth of. Yep. progress. And that's a challenge. Yeah. You just got your child to say, please, and start to use it consistently. And then one day later, you're starting all over again because grandma and grandpa, oh, we don't need to do that. They can just demand. And right. yeah, don't do that. So cooperate <laughs> with mom and dad, be a source of blessing. Yeah. Um, the next one is kind of an interesting one that's a little vague, so we're going to have to guess. Actually, do the, do the next one, because it kind of okay. relates. Advice and recommendation for the single or childless throughout this series. With this one, it's kind of easy. If, if, you are, if you're younger and you're single or you're married but childless, our advice and recommendation is just listen. I mean... <laughs> yeah, stay out of it. <laughs> well, yeah, but and then, keep, and then listen to these episodes um, and start to learn... And start to talk amongst yourselves and figure out, hey, what are what are my convictions? What what should I be doing here? You should not be giving advice to anybody. Um, it, I, if you're an older person though, and you're single or you're childless, everything you just said regarding grandparents would would apply. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't probably be trying to give instruction to younger parents, um, but what you can do is encourage them in a great way. Um, and you know, when you see, for instance, something good that's happening in their parenting, praise them on that, encourage them. Um, that goes a long way because they might be so discouraged over everything they're doing. And all of a sudden someone noticed, oh, your kid obeyed. He said, please, he was very polite. He was, you know, those kinds of things go a long way and you essentially function like a grandma or grandpa within the church in that way. And we actually had some like that when I was a younger, uh, kid that I looked at, these were just older adults who 
they were. You, they were deeply respected by the parents, but also us kids. Um, you would never cross them, but they were also extremely kind and encouraging. They, they had, they, they cared for the young people's souls. And you, as a little boy, I, I still remember some of them. Mm-hmm. One of them always had that ribbon candy. Do you know what I'm talking about? And and they always carried it in their pocket, and so. Uh, they knew you knew you could go and they give you a piece of candy, but they but it was you had to ask properly, you had to say thank you, but they also would you know remind you to go open the door for you know Mrs. Smith and you run over there open. But in little ways, they were actually supporting the parents and just teaching you manners and Absolutely. and and how you exist. Um, one other thing I'd say too, for a single or a grandparent, but definitely a single, is before you speak into any parent's life. Make certain they're asking for it. Uh, It's incredibly unhelpful, (laughs) right? When you're trying to do something and they they say, you know, I heard, or you should, or it's like, if at the very worst, at the very least, wait until you have a good moment and then say, hey, can I can I make a suggestion? Mm -hmm. And if you don't want me to, I won't. Uh, but say it very humbly, very carefully, and and you should be reluctant to do so. If your your tendency is to constantly make suggestions, you're probably talking too much. But yeah. it's very obnoxious. I will tell you, and you will agree. I know when a young single person looks at you and says, "Well, you know, I don't think that's the right way to do that," or "I wouldn't do it that way," or "I think it's like." Well, talk to me later when you have a kid. Yeah. Or on the other hand, just by the fact of mere age. You think you're owed the right to speak into something. Yeah, just because you're 18 means squat. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing I would say is if you are a single person uh, or you're, let's say you're married without kids, you would do well to spend a lot of time observing when you're in people's homes who have children and start making observations about things you like and things you don't like. And it, this goes back to the, you know, having good spiritual leaders. Um, you know, are they producing good fruit with their children? Um, so just because they have kids doesn't mean they should just give you parenting advice. Uh, you should look at their kids and say, do I want their parenting advice? Yeah, <laughs> parenting do I advice? want yeah, them tell me because I don't like their children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and what are their techniques? You know, wh- how are they speaking to their children? Why, are, why, why the decisions that they've made in light of their home or for their children? All those things you should be starting to file away as you look to that day that the Lord may give you kids. In fact, I do that even in premarital with the young couples is um, I, I start to encourage them to really look for good examples in the church. And a lot of times they say, well, would you give us some? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to. Uh, I'll do it later. But what I want you to do is over the next couple of weeks, I want you to just open your eyes to the couples around you because you've been around them now for maybe a few years as single people. And yet you don't know who are which ones have godly marriages which means you haven't been using this single time uh time of singleness to actually grow and learn you've just been doing your single things um and so now you're getting married soon why don't you pay attention and just watch the reaction of a husband or a wife watch how they interact with each other um when you have children same thing again look how do they handle their children and uh, 
start to file away the kinds of couples that you respect. And then when they come back, we'll, we'll actually sometimes talk about, so who, who have you noticed uh, that you're really impressed with? And it's encouraging when you see them recognize others. And other times it's like, actually, I want you to keep looking. <laughs> yeah, well, and re- remember, words are so cheap. Yep. You know, don't, just because someone talks as if they know uh, and they speak with confidence, still look to the fruit. <laughs> um, yeah. What have they produced? And that's going to give you some yep. better parameters. And then the last question that we'll answer is, what are your thoughts on sending your teen kids to youth conferences? And then uh, the example used was like the D3 conference, which neither of us knew what that oh, was. That is, yeah. So I, w- I looked it up. Uh, it's apparently one done through uh, Boyce College in Southern, looked at the speakers. They all seem to be good speakers, guys like Al Mohler and whatnot. The answer is that's an impossible one. I, you know, you if you've got a mature, faithful teenager that you trust and, and they've shown a life of trustworthiness, then sure, let them go if they'd like to do it. Ask yourself, why wouldn't I? Um, it's an opportunity to give them a testing ground, right, where they can be a little bit on their own. Obviously, you're not just sending them out, here's a 500 bucks and uh, I don't need receipts. You, know? <laughs> uh, you, you want to be wise about that. At the same time, you have teenagers who are pushing and fighting, but they also want to go there. And now, and maybe you're thinking that somehow that conference is going to help them or change them. I will tell you this bluntly. No conference will be the agent of lasting change. It, it's not in a conference to do that. So at best, a conference can supplement and support what they're already hearing in the church and in your home. So uh, it really is up to each kid. In fact, I had four children, and some I would be much more prone to saying, yeah, they, they could go, and others maybe due to their uh, attitude at that time, it's like, yeah, you're not going, and sorry. And until you can model a more mature thought process and decision-making, uh, you get to stay home. And you know, I remember one child saying, uh, that as a teenager, you treat me like a child. And I said, I am. Guess why? You're acting like a child. So why don't you act like a young adult and you'll get treated like a young adult. And then we had that little stare where it was like, <laughs> who's going to win this? And I won because I wasn't going to lose. And, but it was like, you, you just, look, you're acting childish. You're making foolish decisions. And yet now you want me to somehow magically honor you as a mature adult. I won't do it. You haven't earned it. Um, so every parent has to look at that. Don't do it out of fear, though. Don't, don't just simply say, well, I'm afraid. I don't, I don't know what their influence is. Look, in another, if you have a teenager 16, in another two years, they can legally leave your home. Um, You've got to get them out there where they, they begin to see how the world functions and you can speak into their lives. And sometimes these youth conferences can be a good one, but, sure. but pick good ones. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll hit some more next time. Yeah. Okay. Or do you have others? No, you I'm, I'm okay. all done. All right. Um, okay, so today we're going to pick it back up uh, with some key truths that a wise parent uh, will learn and then remember. And we would say not just for the moment, but that they might remember these things throughout their life as a parent and then beyond. Too often we approach parenting with a methodology in mind rather than a philosophy and theology that's settled within our hearts. And without a sound theology of parenting, uh, failure 
uh, we can say is usually the result. Uh, can show itself in a multitude of ways from, of course, overtly rebellious children to extremely nice children who are simply religious pagans. Uh, but if we get a good theology into our hearts, then we have now the necessary tools to apply uh, parenting in some practical ways. So he here's an example of what we might mean by this. We, we use the role of a husband and say that a basic theology is that he is to model Christ's care and love for Christ's church to his wife. Uh, he is to be to his wife as Christ is to the church. If he buys into that, that is because it's a command of him by God, um, and now he will begin to define what he does and how he does things in relation to his home based upon that relationship. Um, but how that will look in his marriage may not be at all the exact same way as another man who's seeking to live out that same command in his marriage. Um, and that is because each household is a little bit different. One may need to be more firm and decisive, uh, while other the other one may need to be more gentle. Uh, but both are seeking to love wife their wife as Christ loved the church. But it's unique to their own right. marriage. And so what we're trying what we're trying to do with this child rearing, we're going to give you suggestions Principles. throughout the time. Yeah. Well, no, but we'll actually give you examples. But they're born out of a principle. The principle is what we want you to get. The example is, okay, here's how it worked out in your home, in your situation, or my home with my kids. Your kids are a little bit different. What we really care about is, are you practicing the principle? Right. Um, th that's what's key. So you look at the one man, and you're like, why do you do that? Well, my wife... Uh, she she really struggles in decision making, and it helps her when I'm very de decisive. Um, and so she prefer that, and that's a way I just show her love instead of just saying do what you want. That's unhelpful for her. Um, so I I help her by being more decisive on those things. Whereas another one, it, the wife actually because of maybe her upbringing, she had a very unkind father. Or something she reacts to that, and so he he's found that a way of loving her is approaching things a little bit more differently, but they're both doing the same thing. We're, I'm seeking to love. Yeah. Love and that's her. just where the wisdom and the discernment comes right. in. Right. And it's hard work, but yeah. it, it it's worth the time. Yeah. Well, in the same way, each set of parents will look different in their own ways. Um, so again, if we can get you to buy into a, just a biblical theology of parenting, um, then we can merely give recommendations and examples to consider when it comes to specific situ situations. Um, things like nap, eating habits, so on and so forth. So you'll notice that we focus on the parents here much more than the children at this point. Uh, it's tempting to look at our children and think that they're the problem with the issue, but um, really it's the mom or dad that's the issue. So the more that you own the principles we're teaching in your personal lives and households, uh, the easier the specifics of parenting will be to the glory of God. So we're going to give you 10 principles here uh, that every parent should do. Uh, these are essential uh, general parenting responsibilities. Broadly speaking, all aspects of the child's life are in the hands of the parents to mold and to build up. And so this is a tremendous responsibility that carries great blessing if done well. All right. So with no further ado, we're just going to give you 10 quick um, principles. And we're going to go back and forth on these. And we're not going to go deep into every one of them. We'll develop them in other episodes. The first truth is to simply break from being child-centered. A child-centered parent is literally on the brink of becoming an idolater. Uh, this is what Charles Spurgeon once said during a sermon of his. He said, a mother who had lost her babe fretted and rebelled about it. 
She happened to be in a meeting of the Society of Friends, and there was nothing spoken that morning except these words by one female friend who was moved, I, I doubt not, by the Spirit of God to say, Verily, I perceive that children are idols. She did not know the condition of that mourner's mind, but it was the right word, and she to whom God applied it to knew how true it was. She submitted her rebellious will and at once was comforted. A proper and right love of children should be cultivated, but to carry this beyond its due measure is to grieve the Spirit of God. If you make idols of children, you have done the worst you can for them, whether they live or die. Cease from such folly. Pretty strong. And that's after a death of a child. Mm -hmm. But the Bible consistently speaks of having anything before God himself uh, as idolatry. So Matthew 6, 24, if you don't believe us, um, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So there it's talking about money, but the, po the principle is the same. God must be first. Deuteronomy three seven uh, five seven. You shall love no or you shall have no other gods before me. Now a Christian should know those, but that doesn't mean they don't fall into it. So a child center home really is an idolatrous home. Now we'll re address it again in detail with other episodes, but it's a big one. So don't quickly pass this by in your mind and say, "Oh, it's not me." If you're unsure what a child-centered home looks like, then consider this. It's child-centered when you make decisions contrary to God's word in favor of your child. It's really that simple. Uh, so the husband says he doesn't want the child to have some special toy during nap time anymore, but the mother chooses to do so anyhow because the child is crying or unhappy. That's just sin, and that's being child-centered. A child lies or throws a tantrum in anger, and you excuse it as just being tired. That's sin and being child-centered. Uh, so give it some thought, and it will save you a lot of heartache and repenting later on. Uh, the second thing is to be proactive and uh, biblical in your parenting. Um, so th this parent is not on the defense or reacting to the day-to-day -day situations. <coughs> Instead, he has a definite plan that he follows— um, from the Bible, uh, <laughs> and perceives potential problems before they arise and deals with them. So some examples, um, spiritual habits, uh, speech, friends, time usage, uh, eating habits, or other issues of self-control. These are not things you should be reacting to, but you should have a proactive plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're not going to give you details on those right now and how to deal with them, because we just want you to think about your parenting. How proactive are you um, regarding your child's speech or who you allow them to uh, hang out with or right. influence them. Um, do, do you and your spouse have a clear plan? And not just for next week, but for the next few years. Uh, the third truth would be to understand the presence and effects of sin. Again, a critical path in par or, or critical truth in parenting. The world overtly and subtly is pushing an essential uh, uh, an essential innocence in the children. They're always telling you that it's just an innocent little baby. The scripture does not indicate it, however. So Psalm 51.5 says that all children are born sinners. Uh, Psalm 58.3 says that from the womb, we are separated from God. In Ephesians 2, 2-3, it shows that every child is under the wrath of God due to their sin nature. Um, these, are, these are strong terms. And so 
you have to look at your little beautiful daughter that's two and sweet and precious and understand that the Bible says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's not just the adult, that's a child, and you have to come to grips with that. Yeah, I think Bodhi calls him a viper in a diaper. <laughs> that's such an awesome a viper in a diaper he's like you're of your father the serpent um, oh that's awesome you know uh i think he's like god i forget how he said it but god made him small so they couldn't kill you <laughs> and he made him cute so you wouldn't kill them <laughs> <laughs> because you are dealing with a, a sinner yeah yeah uh fourth understand the heart of the child uh psalm 58 and verse 2 says that sinful actions proceed from the heart. Uh, so in, in the heart, you work unrighteousness. On earth, you weigh out the violence of your hands. Uh, Proverbs twenty two fifteen teaches that the heart of every child is abounding in foolishness. It says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Um, so if you, if you think your child is first and foremost a sweet, innocent child, then we'd say you have a problem biblically. Uh, they may be a great child, but their heart is still under the power of sin. It's still dead in sin and abounding in their folly. Um, and so too many parents mistake socially acceptable sin as not being sin. Yeah. So the the kid sticks his tongue out at an adult and they're, ha ha, isn't that cute? It's like, actually, no, <laughs> it's not. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of ways that we can do that. Just it's not that you have to look at your child with suspicion and glare at them. It's just understand that they have this sin issue. Um, fifth, understand that sin, therefore, corrupts even the conscience of the child. So Psalm 19.12 shows that we can't even properly discern our personal sin apart from God's help. So David writes, who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. And yet parents all the time think, well, the the kid will figure it out. It's like, why? Why would you think? Yeah, they're, they're hidden. Um, come on. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 16.2 shows that the conscience can often deceive us into thinking we are doing right, in fact. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motive. And you see that with even the little two-year-old brother who decides that, and he does it without any malice. He just thinks it's okay to take his sister and push her over and take the toy because he wants it. And you're like, hey. And he looks at you kind of puzzled, like, what? <laughs> it's like, you, you, you're not consciously thinking about your motives here, are you? You just saw it and you grabbed it. And so it's very easy to think your child will somehow just absorb right thinking and actions if you practice them. Uh, but if you are wise, you will remember that our default judgment of ourselves is that we're pretty good. And the same goes for little Johnny as well. Yeah. Sixth, uh, we'd say understand that there's only a certain amount of time that's available to you. Uh, Proverbs 19.18 is, is a hard one. Uh, Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. Uh, so, so parents have to grasp this or they'll lose much that is dear to them. Uh, the early years especially are precious. Uh, where they're able to gain the ear of their children because they're under control. Um, when we put off those unpleasant aspects of parenting, we're essentially desiring harm for our children. And 
this is a, if you, if you took our Proverbs class, this is an antithetical yes. parallelism. It's saying the same thing, but from opposite perspectives. So, so the flip side of not disciplining your child, according to this proverb, is akin to desiring their death. Um, that's a hard, it's a hard word. Yes. Um, but sadly, passages like this are often brushed aside by parents um, when instead they should spend time contemplating what the passage says and means. All right, number seven, understand the four areas of human development in a biblical worldview. So this is just taken out of Luke uh, 2.52, where it talks of Jesus. It says, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Uh, you see wisdom, that mental point of capacity, stature is his physical uh, capacity, favor with God, a, a spiritual capacity, and favor with man, a, a social capacity. One thing that personally stands out for me in the passage is that our own Lord grew in those areas, which is a fascinating mystery. You know, yeah. it's like, how is God in flesh? But he has to grow. Uh, the human had to learn. And therefore, if that's true of a perfect, sinless Jesus, then how much more is the, are those areas of development just going to be necessary for us with our children? We're sinners, our children are sinners, and, and we've all met, and maybe we struggle. I know I struggle in certain areas of my life where it's just deficient, and it, it's, always a, it's always a stumbling block for me because my mouth gets in my way and creates a problem, and it's because I didn't develop those early in my life. Yeah. Uh, eighth. Use your authority. Um, that, that's, to, <laughs> that's a huge one. Just use your authority. Yeah. Too often, um, parents can be reluctant to act in an authoritative manner. Uh, this is ex exasperated by the constant influx of false messages through you know, television, radio, reading material, media. Uh, we're told to be friends with our children. Uh, we're told to empower our children, to not put limits on our children. I mean, that is the essence of our culture right now, <laughs> yes. is it not? I mean, laws are being created that you cannot exert any kind of influence over your child, essentially. Um, as Americans, we're brought up with a sense of disrespect for authority. Um, that's in the DNA of what America is. Yep. Um, we, we complain about uh, infringements of our rights and believe it is our God-given right to protest anything that we don't like. Uh, you should never be reluctant to exert your authority nor expect it to be honored. Um, we'd say start this early and it'll be much easier than trying to catch up later. Then number nine, we must understand that we're given a mandate by God to raise our children. The commands to parent are simple to see, train up, discipline, instruct, rule, provide, uh, and therefore to be reluctant in obeying that mandate is nothing less than just sin. Uh, one major improvement, improvement any parent can make immediately with the raising of their children is to not allow the child to challenge the decisions you make. So it connects back to that one you made of use your authority. This is what Ted Tripp says in his book, Shepherding the Child's Heart. He says, there's a tremendous freedom here for a parent. When you direct, correct, or discipline, you're not acting out of your own will. You're acting in behalf of God. You do not have to wonder if it's okay if for you to be in charge. You certainly do not need your child's permission. Um, yep. This means that you are not merely an advisor to your child. Uh, what, what we mean here is that the child becomes a decision maker, 
is that the child becomes the decision maker and the parents merely is the one who responds to those decisions. Again, that's not wise. A parent is reacting then rather than being proactive. At the excuse me, at the same time, of course, as a child starts to enter into those teen years, you're going to want to begin to exert less and less authority and now more and more influence, uh, but you never to the detriment to the goal of training a child's heart. So get that stuck in your head. You and your child must understand that as long as they're in your household, that you can exert that authority whenever you think it's necessary. In fact, when your child is 17 years old or so, you may very easily see him not want you to express your will in his life. And that's not bad, um, not necessarily bad. It's actually a sign that your child needs to get out of your household soon and to begin to make his own. So it's, it's normal for a, a young adult to start to push because they're starting to think like an adult. Um, you shouldn't be angry about That's that. That's what you're raising them yeah, to do. Yeah, you're trying to raise them yeah. to leave the house. In <laughs> fact, it's horrible if they're afraid to leave. Um, and this is a conversation then you need to have with them. Uh, simply let them understand that if they do keep pushing, then you will let them go. But what you're asking them to do is understand that there are still rules in your home and you expect them to comply with those and live under them. Now, young children do not need the freedom to express their individuality by making decisions on their clothing, their hairstyle, their hair length, their hair color, their piercings, their meals, their friends, or anything else. They certainly never have authority to decide their relationship with things like church attendance. Tenth, we would say be humble. Um, understand that you are handling the property of God, uh, in a sense, and that he is the one who has given you the mandate to train and to shepherd them, um, which is why you have that responsibility. So so carry a spirit of humility, though, into that relationship. Philippians 2 is a great passage, should be the pattern of your life. Um, it's that one about humility and meekness of mind. Um, at the same time, do not mistake the exertion of authority with pride. That's the other extreme that people fall yeah. on. Uh, humility is an attitude. Um, an internal attitude that seeks the well-being of others. Um, but also, it's an attitude that recognizes that an account will be asked of you by the Lord. Um, at times, you, you may inappropriately discipline your child. Uh, most common situations are when you're improperly angry or you're seeking vengeance rather than discipline. Um, this is where you, you need to humble yourself and go and confess that sin to your child. Um, you may even need to pray with the child and confess your sin to the Lord in the presence of that child, uh, so your child will see um, that important spiritual dimension as well. You're, you're teaching even yeah. that. You're instructing them how to confess well, how to repent well. Man, dad sins. That's That can be mind-blowing to a, a 10-year-old. You know, dad sinned. He just confessed to me, and then he's saying, can we pray? I just want to seek God's forgiveness. That's a that's the kind of thing you remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, and this is key. Uh, but if if the discipline, though done wrongly, was being done for proper reasons, uh, you have to make that clear to the child so that they don't get the wrong impression that they were right in their own behavior. Yeah. So you're just simply looking at them, saying, "Look, how I handle it was wrong." But, but why I handled it. Why, yeah, <laughs> and what you did was still wrong. And so how I handled it was wrong. I'm seeking your forgiveness on that, but you're still grounded. <laughs> and so get over it. Um, 
conclusion then. Let, let's kind of wrap this up. Ten simple things you can begin to do as a parent, practical things that you and your spouse can begin to think about and to put into action. So next episode, we plan, uh, if the Lord wills, to give you some basic things not to do. But right now, we want you to begin to figure out if some of the points we made today were, are things that you can begin to change in your home and family right away. So we hope it's been helpful as you labor in what is the one of the most important tasks of your entire life, and may you seek to honor the Lord in it. But until next time, make sure to tune in, join this conversation. And if you have any questions on the subject of parenting, again, simply drop us a note and we'll seek to answer it. But don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review on iTunes, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell a friend. (music) 